Yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, that's a good point. Yeah. When yeah. are we going to get a holiday? When yeah, are you guys exactly. going to get a holiday? Exactly. We'll take our summer leave from, from the podcast. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but happy birthday to us, man. 18 is no, happy is no mean feat. Happy 18th. What we do here is go back, 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 back. And we are back. And we are back with another episode of the Bros and Brews podcast on a bit of a grey morning. My side, man, i got to say, oh. it's been a beautiful weekend and we've woken up this morning and it's just like clinging on to the end of winter. And I'm a bit sad about it because, yeah. boy, was it gorgeous the last few days and Monday has come in real hard with a case of the greys. How are you going? Oh, oh, it's it's absolutely beautiful up here today. Oh, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was the same yesterday as well. Yeah, we've had a good string of weather up here. Um, I mean, today is uh, decision day on what's happening with the levels around New Zealand. So to have a little bit of sunshine up here on Auckland, hopefully it's a, a good, you know, good prospect to the future. But there's there's been a lot going on uh, with our with our clusters. So who knows? Who knows? But by the time you hear this, we would have had a decision. So you will know what's going on. You will know what's going on. Um I have to admit, I completely forgot that today was an important day regarding that, but um, I, I'm glad that it is, and yeah, we'll probably be editing this by the time decisions are made, and, and maybe we'll just be blissfully unaware as we tap away mm. with audacity doing the secret behind the scenes that, that no one ever sees. Um, but we should say, man, happy 18th. Happy 18th. Happy 18th, because this oh. is our 18th episode, and I feel like it would... It would not be, uh, it would not be fitting to have the 18th episode with us without us having a little celebration. I've just thought I should have brought like a party popper. That would have been a great oh. live sound effect, but I definitely haven't brought one. Um, I could probably <laughs> find some sort of sound online sound to layer it in somewhere. But, yeah, but it, would, yeah, yeah. It, would, it wouldn't hit the same. But happy no, birthday no. to you, man! Happy birthday to us both. Um, hey, we made yes. it to 18. We're ready to to. The podcast is of legal age to go out and get a drink. <laughs> Finally, we can have that. that Finally, brew. we can. It's in the title, <laughs> and and that leads me in. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the ball rolling, bro. To this week's question, because I want to ask you, in celebration of the Bros Brews podcast turning eighteen, do you remember your first legal drink? And if so, where was it? What was the vibe? I know we've talked in the past about how we were both introduced to alcohol before 18, which, as we all know, is completely fine if it's by your parents and yada, 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 yada. But do you remember where, when, how your first drink after turning 18 was? Gosh, man, you know, you're really like trying to make my brain cells have a work. Um, Oh, that's, you know what? Okay, so... (laughs) I mean, straight up to that question, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't because the the one thing that I can remember when I turned eighteen, uh, which is in very similar lines to that. You know, obviously, um, I turned eighteen when I was still in high school. Um, I know some people didn't turn eighteen until they got to uni and and that kind of thing. It was that vibe sometimes. So yeah, I turned eighteen pretty early in my final year of high school, 
And it was always a thing where you turn 18 and you go to town, right? Like you, you go out and you just go for it. Um, for me, I really didn't have that buzz of wanting to go to town when I turned 18. So I think the first time I went to town properly was like, so my birthday's in April. I'm pretty sure it took me about three, four months before I properly went to town for the first time, uh, with friends and things like that. So I didn't, I didn't really get on that buzz straight away. I'm trying to remember. It was probably my first legal drink. I, it was either a nice happy drink with mum at home, um, or it would have been like uh, maybe like a, a rugby get together party with um, some of the boys and the things like that. But I, I honestly, I honestly can't remember. Um, so. Sorry to disappoint in that question, but I just, but, but but the biggest thing I do remember is that it took me ages to get to town, but I remember I had so many friends around me turned 18, they went straight for it. Um, but yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't have that, uh, hype at the time turning 18. You must've been one of the oldest people in your year group, right? Yeah, I was, I was, I, I, I. Yeah, it was weird. When I first started school when I was younger, I did a year zero. So I had a whole year of doing nothing, which I mean, I did something. I pretty much did year one twice. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got to high school, there was a guy uh, in the year above me and we had the same birthday. And I was like, what? Why, why, why is this a thing? How is this a thing? Yeah. Um, So yeah, I was, I was one of the the eldest in, in my year. Yeah. Because this kind of comes back to what we were talking about with star signs and and how when you're born in the year can determine certain things in your life. And like this is a really good example of them because you kind of have the curse of the early birthday. Like, yeah, you're the mm. first person to turn 18. And I'm sure people were like, whoa, Matt's 18. Like he can get a lingo, like, get a brew. But actually, if none of your friends are 18... Like, what are you going to do? I mean, it makes yeah. total sense that you had to wait. I mean, I'm probably the exact opposite. I was a November birthday. So by the time I turned 18, there was a really big cluster of birthdays. And two of my good friends at school, their birthdays are the day before mine and the day after mine. So mm. so I probably have the exact opposite experience to you, whereas I was deep into the end of the school year, deep into the end of year 13, but at least the flip side was pretty much everyone else was 18 at the time. It was there, ready to go, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a slightly different, but I guess it was a similar experience in that I really, really remember buying my first legal drink, but I don't <laughs> remember anything from my 18th, like if I had any kind of party uh, yeah. or yeah, same or something. And I think the reason for me was because the curse of the November birthday is that you're deep in NCA exams. And so yeah. every year when the exam timetable came out, it was like, how's this going to affect my birthday? And I think I had an exam the day after my birthday, mm-hmm. which is arguably worse than on your birthday. Cause you spend your birthday knowing that the next day is that coming. This but is coming. Yeah. I do remember my first beer. I went with dad to the realm, a Tido pub which is still there. I remember going in the classic, like present your ID, blah, blah, blah. Um, and yeah, I, I, it wasn't, 
overwhelming or wasn't underwhelming, but it's strange for me that I've remembered that, but I don't remember if I did anything to celebrate it. Like maybe I had some people around to mine for a barbecue. Like I vaguely remember that, but yeah, it's funny that having this being our 18th episode and going, ah, 18, celebrate it. Like an 18 is such a big number for, you know, being able to legally do a whole bunch of other things and kind of being deemed an adult, at least in, in New Zealand. Mm. I don't really remember that much being no. attached to that. Whereas obviously for us, 21st and 21, lots of people have a 21st and can remember that quite well. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was just, it was funny thinking back to 18th and not really being able to recall all that much. And I kind of feel like I should remember more than I do. No, I'm, exa- I, I, I'm exactly the same way. I mean, like you said about the 21st, like I remember my 21st, but I think I remember that because that was only, what, four years ago as opposed to seven years ago, um, <laughs> which is, yeah, which is, I don't know, interesting to think. But no, I was, I was the same. I was trying to f- figure out what my 18th birthday was, but I actually don't remember. Oh, how we're getting old. How we're getting old. And isn't it weird that different countries have such different ways of looking at getting old and maturity and becoming yeah, an adult? Like, yeah. like for us, everything, pretty much everything in New Zealand is 18. I know there's some mm-hmm. little outliers, but yet we view 21 as kind of the age that we celebrate. Whereas if you look at America, legality-wise, everything's 21, but their celebrations are all 16, like five yeah. years earlier. Yeah. Like, it's yep. so strange that different countries have completely different senses of of when they celebrate someone becoming an, an adult, and yet that could not line up with with law. And I guess this comes into lots of different things. You know, we've talked about the potential change in alcohol age for purchasing versus consuming. Obviously, the the marijuana referendum this year. Mm-hmm. There's there's stuff about that in terms of age and what age is adult and and yeah i think it's really funny that as a country that really we we sit a lot at 18 being a determining age i just don't remember a lot no (laughs) what was going on at that time (laughs) i mean late november 2013 i guess it's been you know quite a few years now i can probably be excused but but it does say something for that first drink with dad at the realm that i do remember that yeah I i can picture and i think i can remember like there was some mix up with ids like i think i took my passport but didn't take something else i don't know I, I, but yeah yeah it's we have to make the 18th for the podcast memorable so we do remember it in seven years time when we're when we're looking back on episode <laughs> god i don't know what the math is seven 52 weeks a year will be like episode 300 roughly Oof. give or Oof. take Maybe we'll take some weeks off, but yeah, but... <laughs> actually, that's a good point. Yeah, when yeah. are we going to get a holiday? When yeah, are you guys exactly. going to get a holiday? Exactly. We'll take our summer leave from from the podcast. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but happy birthday to us, man! Eighteen is no happy eighteenth no mean feat. Happy eighteenth, and um, yeah, I might have a have a little celebratory brew later on. Might give you a call and we can have one over the oh. over the phone. I've got some chilled ready to go. I'll bloody bet you. I'll bloody bet you do. Um, but to move on, we can't stay talking about 18ths forever. Um, this week, Matt and I really wanted to talk about some 
some film stuff. Um, yeah, this, nice. This past week, last week, uh, I was fortunate enough to be involved in a, in a short film project in Wellington with some wonderful creatives, and some really interesting stuff came out of it in terms of like acting for screen and and the blurred lines between that and theater and lots of what Matt and I have talked about about the difference of screen acting and film acting and and just having spent four days on on a project some really interesting stuff came out of it um and because of the nature of it being so busy Matt and I actually haven't had a chance to talk about it so the hope is that in filling Matt in some interesting tidbits will will come up they may not and you may want to switch off and be like these guys are just catching up in which case completely fine we'll see you next yeah. week with maybe something yeah. <laughs> something more to your taste um but yeah so it was a short film with uh written and directed by a guy that we've shouted out on the podcast before a wonderful guy by the name of ben wilson who what? has written well indeed um has written a lot of plays uh that you've performed in a number yes. of them mm-hmm. in Wellington in the past. And this was sort of a project that he'd been working on to try and do some writing for screen, which I found really interesting just to start with. And I, and I asked him once we'd finished it up, I was like, as a writer, how different is the process of writing for theater and writing for screen? And he, I mean, it was a really long conversation, which I, I won't try and pick all the points out, but I think he said some really interesting stuff about how, like you know good writing should kind of work for both Mm. and i said to him well i sort of agree and i think if you have good writing actually the quality of the performers is not that important like you can you can have i mean we've talked about not wanting to say that actors are good bad actors or bad actors but but you could have bad actors with a great script and it still come across as really good whereas i think you know even if you take a bunch of a-list fantastic performers and give them just garbage on a page they just won't do it because there's no way of of salvaging it um yeah it was really interesting to to work with ben as being both a writer and director um i know that there are some you know people in the industry on a massive professional level that that do write and direct projects but it's not overly common like I would say most no. times, you yeah. know, there's a screenwriter or there's someone that's um, adapted stories, you know, best adapted screenplay and or best screenplay and that sort of stuff. And generally it's a different director. It was a really interesting experience to work first and foremost with someone who'd written a story. And so it's a short film. It's probably going to be like 15 to 20 minutes. Um, so he's written the script and then also is directing the film which I imagine is a completely different experience than if you say got a, a film a feature film script that had been written by someone and then you're just working with the director and maybe mm. the writer's not around there sometimes. Yeah, and, yeah. And so clearly Ben was directing from a perspective of he'd written these words and what we were doing. So it was a two-hander, myself and a lovely girl called Kate Johnston, who I've known for a long time and, and did um, actually Frost Nixon... Uh, she was in Frost Nixon with me. That was the last time we did anything <laughs> together. So, so that's so cool. <laughs> and when we talked about that on the podcast, I didn't know that they were, we were doing this. So we were, that was coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet, sweet serendipity. Um, and yeah, so the two of us working with him as the writer, and then going into working with him as the director, it really felt like quite a theatrical process. 
Mm. I think that's where he was coming at because obviously, as as you know, and you've worked with him before, he always likes to be in the room, right? He likes yeah. to have a, a presence in there. And he was saying to us that he was trying to make the filming, the, the process of rehearsing for screen as close to theater as possible while not, while still keeping it grounded in, in screen stuff, which I thought yeah. was really interesting because that's, that's cool. the stories that, you know, that come out of screen acting is that, oh, well, if you've done lots of theater rehearsal, don't get used to that because in screen there's no time and you just get the pages and you learn them and you do the scene and you move on. This was very much not the case. I mean, we had two days, probably like 10, maybe 12 combined hours of rehearsals before the two-day shoot. Um, And we kind of, I guess, rehearsed it almost in the same way that you would a show. Obviously, we didn't Mm. have three months or three weeks or... But it was really, really interesting as a process to take kind of the theatre way of looking at a script and breaking it down and then just filling in all the gaps from a screen performance. Um, yeah, I mean, you've you've had really, like I said, a long history with him, with him uh, for theatre. And I also wanted to ask you about your experiences doing screen stuff. Mm-hmm. How how have you found rehearsal processes for screen in the past? Have they been long-ish? Have you struggled with lack of rehearsal stuff? Um, I'm just going to just we haven't really talked about your screen stuff, and I'd I'd mm. love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah. So I've done I've done a f- yeah a few few film things. Um, did a um, a YouTube series um, with a few episodes and things like that. That was really the first kind of big hander I had into. Um, into yeah you know filming with a you know camera and a big uh, you know production kind of thing um and then also with that same company or same people as well uh we've done a short film which hasn't hasn't come out yet it's still still somewhere in the in the network being worked on um and then I did another one at the start of the year as well and yeah it, it's it's very right i mean in all of those kind of processes you know you do like a um table read kind of thing with everyone so you get a feel of obviously what's going on um and then yeah it's really like up to you to have have the lines ready to go you arrive on set um and yeah you can afford to make mistakes look at your script kind of thing you know obviously you 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 block everything out and you know you rehearse a rehearse a scene kind of thing but then literally a few minutes later uh you're filming you know, and, and you're doing a take. If that take's not good enough, you can, yeah, like I said, you can look at your script again and you, you just go again. So it's very, it's, yeah, you, I mean, I, I want to say quick, you know, and I think a lot of that relies on you having the done done the work beforehand, um, you know, what, but, you know, you can obviously ask questions to the director and things like that and what they want and, and, and things, but it's, I don't want to say it's rushed, but I think for me being a, theatrical you know a theater theater actor it did feel rushed you know being on the screen and doing it that way um so yeah it it is a completely different process um i think one thing that i i did like on the the shoot that i did earlier in the year um similar thing to what ben has done um his his name's robert mitchell and he's he uh, wrote a script and also directed it as well and there was there was only three of us um so you know it wasn't a i mean much like you it was just it was it just you and you and kj is that right yep 
Yep, just yeah, us. Just a two-parter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was only three of us. Um, and so he, he was really good in the sense of, you know, we read read through a scene and then we rehearsed it a few times and then we'd do a take. And then, you know, we it's not like, okay, we'll do another take straight away. We'd really have a conversation about what we want this next take to, to do and be like. So it's not that we were every take we were doing it differently but it was he was a lot more collaborative in the way of what he was seeing and what he knew he could get out of us kind of thing which is what I really appreciated working with Robert um and yeah so that was just that was a really cool process in itself as well I think he had a he had a vision and he had a really good handle on us as the actors and he was able to get that out of us which was which was really nice Uh, I didn't have to feel like all the pressure was on on me to give him what he wanted he was able to get that out of me which is what I really appreciated as an actor um and then I mean swinging back as well around to Ben and what you were saying before with um, the theatre I knew for for Ben it was a, a new process all in itself of being in the room um, and I know Ben and Keegan they were you know Keegan was the one that Keegan Bragg directed us in, in, in these shows um, they just had a really good chemistry and they really understood each other on how to get Ben's writing onto the stage and I knew that it was different for Ben being in the room you know because there's there's that fine line of you know uh, not a fine line but you know a writer should be able to write something and then a director should be able to pick it up and look at it from a kind of a not a fresh perspective but like new eyes and you know and and see how this writing is going to do for on stage or on film kind of thing but for me as an actor I loved having been in the room because we were able to ask him questions like, you know, where did these thoughts come from? You know, what's the progression? What's the um, the attitudes and things of all of these characters and, and stuff? So, you know, we weren't having to think of it ourselves, which is, you know, is good in itself and, and doing some plays and some shows, you know, the actor should be able to uh, find it themselves but I know from all the people that I worked with we really appreciated Ben being there because we were just able to understand his writing ever so slightly more which reinforced the stuff that we were doing um, and now that you know obviously he's he's bridged that gap with you now on this short film writing it and directing it I think that's that's brilliant the fact that he's come that far from where we were all those years ago that he can yeah he can do that so i think that's that's really cool to hear i think the equivalent with him working with keegan for theater was it made a lot of sense to me that ben was writing and directing it at no point did i ever think oh this is two people's jobs it just Mm, made sense mm. to be one person's job yeah the equivalent for him, I guess, was uh, his DP, the director of photography, uh, Drew Ford, who did an amazing job. And I think their chemistry and, and the project started with those two before it was ever mentioned to me, before we ever got KJ involved. It was them together figuring out how they were going to create this thing. And so mm. I think that's another massive aspect of, of shooting for screen is that, you know, you can have the best writer in the world and the best sense of direction, but if you don't have someone to figure out how this fits onto screen, yeah, you don't have a project. Yeah. And so when we were shooting, it was so clear that Ben knew that Drew was number one person. 
because Drew was operating the camera. Drew's the person with the eye. Of course, they discussed and you know talking about lighting and shade, and Ben had opinions on you know very collaborative process. But it was so clear that they'd been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks that nice. a lot of those decisions had already been made, and that was a nice thing about us stepping into the room as actors and and drew was there the whole rehearsal process so we were being filmed by him when we were running lines and doing different takes and so it meant that when we showed up for the first day of filming kj and i both knew drew we were both comfortable with that specific camera and that specific space and made a lot of sense to me i was like yeah yeah but i i guess obviously you know with these million dollar projects they don't have the time and the resources to film every single scene like in rehearsal with the camera so that was kind of the beauty of the short film was that Mm. that size project the four of us kj ben drew and myself probably did like 10 like i said 10 to 12 hours of rehearsal figured out bits and pieces and it meant that come the monday when we when we shot it we'd made so many decisions already the catch 22 of that is then you obviously you go in and you film and it's kind of like keep all the bits and pieces in the back of your head but play it live, feel the... Yeah, we're here now. Feel yeah, the space, yeah, yeah. feel what's going on, respond to each other. And I think that's very similar to to theatre. Like, you can do all the rehearsal you want, but you have to be present in the room, respond mm-hmm. to what's given to you if something mm-hmm. weird happens in a take, just as if something weird happens with an audience member. Like, you've got to respond to it and you've got to, you've got to take it. And I think that's one of the things that I've... I took away from the short film was the appreciation of rehearsal and that time and all the discoveries you make because you can't make those many discoveries without rehearsal time. It is time and development and processing that allows you to make decision one and then decision two and decision three. But then when you go and you film just as the same as when you step onto the stage with that unique audience on that unique night with that unique energy, you have to just play with what you've got. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I, I wanted to talk about that I thought was really interesting was, so it was a two day shoot. The first day we shot, uh, on location in a Wellington cafe space, which we were really lucky to have. It was just, they were shut for the day and we just had the space, which was amazing. That's so cool. Um, and we had the whole space to ourselves. It was probably like a nine person crew, um, including ourselves as actors and, you know, we turned up at 11 and, you know, had to do all the rigging and do all the stuff. And, you know, it's not like KJ and I had our trailers to go away to, but that was very much the case. Like we <laughs> turned up and we're not the priority. Everything else has yeah. to be sorted out before us. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. You do your process as an actor and you make sure you're warm and in connection and, and the relationship for the, the story is, is set and we're both in good place. But, you know, it was probably like 90 minutes before we even sat down to, to Mark. And then we did like, I don't know, an hour of filming that didn't even include any lines. Mm. And so I'm not saying that as, as a negative thing at all. In fact, it's the complete opposite. Everything that went on around us was so, so smooth that at no point during that first day, did we feel like, frustrated or that we mm. weren't the priority like we didn't have that thing where we went like but it's all about the acting and we're not doing you know <laughs> everything was super smooth and and it just meant that we could we could clock it and shoot a bunch of different takes from different angles and things and and what was what i what i found was a really interesting discovery was we did some of our best work right at the end of the day when we were getting super super tired tired yeah and in a strange way the tiredness I think shaved off like the top 20% of 
brain activity, like the thinking, the trying mm. to make mm. decisions. Because obviously yep. for screen, it's so small. You don't want to be doing, you just want to be talking like we are yeah. now, just yeah. with the right lines and with the right intentions and with the right pauses and space between you know, phrases and things like that. But you don't want to be doing too much. I think it's, you know, the secret to a great screen actors are people that can can do that, can just do enough, like what's yep. necessary. And strangely, getting tired at the end of the day meant that there wasn't the brain space or the energy to do too much. And mm. so actually, because we'd rehearsed it so well, all of the, the character stuff and the relationship stuff and the intentions where all of these words were coming from were super set in our body. And so when we took away that top, top bit of like thinking and planning and doing different decisions and once that stuff faded away actually some of our best work came out because we just had to trust that we knew what was going on and we knew the realness of the scene and i felt felt this weird like dichotomy of getting really really exhausted but knowing that actually some of the takes we were doing were the best so yeah it'll be i mean not that we'll ever know which which takes were used and and obviously that's the beauty of film is you can take a tiny bit from this and a bit from that yeah yeah as we've said before it's it's all about what happens in in the the editing room but that was what was really interesting about that day one is that it went so so smoothly that we kind of walked out of there at the end of the day exhausted but going hmm well that kind of went pretty well (laughs) <laughs> of course the great irony was that yeah day i was two, gonna say yeah. <laughs> day two um uh i wouldn't say didn't go smoothly it just it was very different to day one and that we faced a lot of different elements that caused problems that we all had to deal with um and i thought day two would be quite interesting to talk about because it was the first time i'd ever done anything like what we were doing and i didn't realize that all these kind of issues would play a part um and so without the spoiling anything about about the film because it will come out at some point and we want it to be a, a surprise basically we were shooting a scene in a car um with the camera rigged inside the car and the difficult thing about the scene was that we were doing a long take so unlike day one and for the most part, most screen stuff where, you know, there's a bunch of different shots and you edit it together and probably there's, you know, 30 seconds spent in one shot and then you cut away so you can use good bits from different things. Yeah. Yeah. This thing was an extended shot, probably like anywhere between three to five minutes um, in a car. And so on the, the first, the first thing was if we botched a line, the take's gone. Like it's, it's out the door. Thankfully that didn't happen that often. But there were so many other elements that came into the play with this because with the car itself, there's no room for you to have a 10-person crew inside a car. Obviously, limited Mm -hmm. space, right? So with sound and all that kind of things, Drew, um, you know, was was driving. He was the driver. And Ben was essentially directing from the front seat in between takes. And, of course, the one thing that caused the most problem was weather. Because Monday, super nice, bright, sunny day. Tuesday was slated for rain. And so in the afternoon, so we pushed the shoot forward into the morning. And then, of course, it never rained. It was super sunny. And so the car had been like sort of decked out, designed to deal with gray conditions. And then it was super bright. So we had to change the interior of the car for the, you know, the lighting spill coming in. And, you know, when it's super bright, obviously car, massive lighting and reflection and stuff. And by the time that we'd 
changed all the stuff to allow for brightness. Then the rain came and it was like, <laughs> oh my God. And uh, then Murphy's so we, Law. Uh, exactly, Murphy's Law. And so at a certain point, we just kind of had to start getting going with it. And so because it was a long take and the nature of the film, we had to start in one spot and end in another spot in the space of time of the script. Yep. And so obviously you add in things like traffic, you add into things like slightly speeding up or slowing down lines, all these different elements come before the performance itself, right? Like the performance mm. is kind of the 10th thing on the list. All these other things like the journey has to be right. You have to get there in the right amount of time. You have to hope that it doesn't rain halfway through the take that you, all these sorts of things. And I was like, wow, this is really, really interesting because this is way more like theater where you, you have a long take. You don't get to go back and redo it. Obviously yep. we got to shoot lots of different times, lots, but yeah, yeah. But the pressure of the, the here and nowness of it was so completely different to the first day. And of course, sun only lasts out for so long. So by the time the afternoon we were going, you know, we were very, very aware that we were trying to get as many different takes in with, you know, with the car, in the sun all of that going on at once and and like i said we got all the stuff done it was by no means a disaster in the end it was completely fine and we got everything we needed done and fingers crossed it turns out great but that's the thing about film i guess is and this is the reason why companies spend millions of dollars hiring hiring out stage space where you can take all the elements control them control the same light the same thing all sort of stuff and this is why you have to in film fake environments. It's why you can't mm. just go and film something in a cafe because some random dude will talk or, you know, there'll be a car that drives past or someone honks their horn. And and I think we get so used to the controlled space of theatre that we kind of presume it's the same for film. Yeah. Because actually yep. theatre is, re- is really controlled space. The set is the same. We have all the props. The audience come in it's kind of like shooting on a soundstage, whereas you go out and you film and you think, yeah, well, it's fine. We'll perform the camera will roll. And you're like, Oh no, the weather will stuff it. A mic will stuff it. People will mm. walk by all these sorts of things. And yeah, I mean, there's a, there's two different sides to that. There's the thrill of the, the risk and the tension and the excitement. <laughs> but then there's the other side where you're like, man, I just, just let me say the goddamn lines. Like, let me yeah. perform, you know? Um, <laughs> Because there's a, was it, is a mise-en-scene, mise-en-scene, like everything's there yeah. for a reason and for a purpose. And you yeah. can't, you can't have that unless you've got the control of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, overall it was such an enjoyable project and the challenges of filming it made me, cause I've never, I wouldn't say I've ever done anything in a similar vein to that. Like it was for all intents and purposes, a professional shoot. The you know the gear we were using was professional. We did we did everything as you would, um, you know, a, a budget of you know a million bucks and with you know a hundred people rather than ten people or, or whatever. And yeah, I wouldn't say it's massively changed how I view theater and film like after these this two-day shoot i haven't gone like i love i love film acting way more than theater (laughs) but it has really opened my eyes to changing my perspective on on how film can be a lot more like theater depending on your writer and your director Mm. and and the people that you're working with and the process itself and and having done all that investment and like character discovery at the start if you've got all those things in place and you have a really good relationship with the people that you're working with then actually the the 
differences between theatre and film kind of start to fade away and you realise that they they are the same thing. And yeah. I think after this this project, I've really understood now why some people are be like, well, acting is acting. It's the same thing. Uh, it can be it if, can the environments, be. if the environments are, are similar. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. It, it's been a really good process. And I mean, aside from anything else, I loved the, the film itself. I'm really excited for it to for it to come out. But really enjoyed doing something for screen and seeing how where the lines blur and where they don't cross. And mm-hmm. and I mean, one of the things I said to Ben afterwards was, you know, he was asking Keisha and I about whether we prefer theatre and film. And, and I said to him, well, I've always been a theatre person, but I think one of the reasons why I love theatre is that it's the rehearsal period. It's the yeah. ensemble that you've formed, like the, yeah. the bonds with people through rehearsal and all that environment stuff that the perception is that that's not there with film. But in this case, it definitely was because we rehearsed for a couple of days before. I know I've known KJ for years. I've known Ben, you know, for less time, but we've been talking about different stuff. We rehearsed it before we came, came in with a real sense of community and a project that we were proud of. And I think because of that, it meant that it was a much more theatrical process and it made me go, Hmm, well, actually maybe you can achieve that with film. Yeah. You know, if you're doing a film for six months or a TV show for 10 years, of course you'd get all that, all that yeah, sense of true. community. And, and then the acting just becomes the acting, if that makes mm. sense. No, that makes total sense. Well, yeah, I mean, you that that's a really good point to make. Like, you can see why some shows go for seasons and seasons and seasons because they do. They create this lovely environment and community of themselves that the acting almost just becomes a second nature. It's you know, it's natural with them being alongside all of these other people. Um, yeah, that uh, you talking about that really excites me on how as us being theatre actors, we can look to try and bridge that with, with film. Yeah. Um, because I'm exactly the same as you. I love the rehearsal period. I love the ensemble. I love creating that energy and vibe with other people. Um, and yeah, there's this kind of, not stigma, but thing about film where it's like, yeah, as an actor, you get there, you do your bit and you're out kind of thing, you know? So it's being able to find those right collaborators where they are really in, enforcing a sense of ensemble. Um, so that's that's really, really exciting. But I mean, honestly, it, it sounds just just like Ben and, and, and how, I, you know, I, I've worked with him before and, and the fact that he's really bringing that forward with his film and his scripts as well is is really exciting prospect for um, his future as well because... I, uh, I I love that I love that head that's on top of his shoulders, man. I, mm. I think he's I think he's absolutely brilliant. And I think like with this project, that's the dream of and the beauty of doing something that isn't you know out and out professional and funding from a network or a production company mm. or because you can have all those controls. And I'm sure if yeah. I'm like walked onto the set of like Grey's Anatomy or, or you know some big TV show tomorrow I probably would feel that sense of oh no one knows my name I'm not important I'm just here to say the lines this is just yeah. a paycheck huh no one gives a rat's ass about me but I mean that's the nature of you yeah. you're, you're a tiny fish in a big pond and the great stuff about doing short projects with people whether it's theatre or film is as you feel like you have a greater sense of, of involvement in, in the whole project yeah. and that's the value of doing those small things with with people that you're a part of and yeah i think it'd be really interesting for us to do a screen project together man because oh yeah like like i said it's been it's been years since we've we've done anything together but mm. i know if we did any theater show we would just click 
back into the oh. back. To oh, the thing. of course. Heck yeah. Uh, I, but I really hope we can do something for screen soon because I think the the process that I went through with this film, I was like, wow, this would be fascinating to go through, go through with, with Matt. So mm. we can, but we can, but hope that that will come sooner oh, rather than later. I, oh, definitely. I, I, I know that we've got a lot planned for the future. I mean, obviously this, this podcast is, is, you know, it's, it's in a great place. Um, but yeah, no, you, you know, I want to do a lot of things with you, bro. Um, all right. Everyone that heard that in a different way, calm down. You're absolutely right. That's what it was thinking. (laughs) Um, but no, yeah, no, I, I, I think like you said, it's, you know, for you and me, we, you know, we started our friendship in, in the sense of that acting together and, and in that space and, and, um, community of of you know uni and and stuff and and yeah i've i've always wanted to keep on doing massive projects with you so oh it, it'll it'll come it'll come you know 2020 <laughs> might not be this year but uh it'll it'll come it will it will um but yeah thanks for letting me spiel a little bit about about it because i mean it's exciting man it's so nice to to do something and work with ben for the first time and yeah and work with kj someone who i haven't worked with for ages and we've obviously developed massively as as people and performers since we last worked together and and meeting drew and a whole bunch of other new people but yeah i i thought oh i've done something since the last like last episode <laughs> i should bloody well talk about it yeah um, that's so cool but yeah it's it's like any project man you do something and it just reignites your reignites your fire and you just think mm. cool what's what's next so so yeah that's where i'm where that's where i'm at at the moment um yo nice but we no, thank should, you for sharing man we should we should move on into a good old-fashioned music shout out oh um, yeah take it take us in take we, us in we haven't done one of these for a while um we thought you know what's been been lacking has been some good old-fashioned music i mean it must be what like four five episodes ago that we yeah, shout out yeah. band of crooks band of crooks yeah band of crooks last one man of shout crooks. out shout out uh two-day coma to start and this week we are going international my friend an international Ooh. music shout out um but a different continent from two-day coma of course trying trying to work our way around the world because of course it's an international listening base man i oh, mean yeah New Zealand is definitely our hub. It's our core. It's where most of our listeners are. But those of you who are not in New Zealand, we appreciate you so, so much because so much. because you're allowing us to claim international international footprint. <laughs> um, but yeah, this week's music shout out comes all the way from the good old US of A, uh, more specifically the West Coast. And this is an artist called uh, Alas a.k.a. Uh, George Lopez, who is a guy that I met um, in 2016 when I was on my exchange uh, in UCLA. And so, what, this would have been four years, I guess. Four years. I guess. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, George was, was one of the guys that, that I met there through one of my roommates and a super, super lovely, lovely guy. Um, yeah, we were just friends through through exchanges, as often the case, and you know we got to know each other. And one of the one of the things that we really bonded over was was music and the arts. And and he even back then had clear interest in in performance and and rap, and and clearly had a way with with words and and that people and hip hop and, and mm. rap do. Um, mm. But interestingly, and this is part of the reason why I wanted to shout him out, back then he was quite set on on law 
as a as a career. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's been years. It's been a long time since I've seen him, and I, you know, I'm sure he can flick me a message and, and fill fill me in on on the gaps. But back in 2016, he was quite set on setting the LSATs, which, I mean, I don't know how much you know about like American law study. Unlike here, where you can go and do a un, you know undergrad at university, it's only offered as postgrad in the US, uh, or what they yeah. call graduate studies. So yep. you basically, you go to university and you have to study something other than law and while you're finishing your degree if you want to then go and do law you have to study for the the lsats which is like standardized testing and basically Mm -hmm. you have to get a relatively good grade for you know to get picked up by you know to be to qualify and be picked up by firms and all that all that kind of stuff and so i knew quite a lot of people who were doing very very different degrees doing doing the lsats i mean that's a whole different question about like you know law and why they do that that way but yeah it just hurts my head yeah but one of the great things for me now and i think you know living in the age that we're living in and i know that he's listened to our podcast um before because he told me he messaged me and when i did the drop down of all the cities he's like east palo alto that's me yeah which is awesome which is awesome but yeah he's he said to me that since 2016 and in the last couple of years and he's really embraced his love of of performance and the arts and the law stuff's been completely shoved to the the back back of the proverbial wardrobe and this is what he's doing so um he's now he's now a performer he's got uh, a number of songs on on spotify some just by himself some with a collaborative group um and yeah it's very much in in the hip-hop vein which i know we've we've expressed our yep. interest in before yep. obviously it's not everyone's cup of tea as as is the case with any music that we'll share but you know if you're you're listening you've come this far with us we encourage you to to have a listen if nothing else for the appreciation of of george you know taking the plunge as an artist which is obviously super difficult yeah even more so in the states so and talk about it, an industry where there's a shitload of artists um yeah but yeah, so so we've got three songs from, from George, whose performance name is Alas. The one that we're going to start out with is called uh, Everything in Due Time, and this is a little bit of a something from Alas. Yo. Uh. I'll take it upon an onus, duty to break opponents, this feeling is just a bonus, the quotas I'm eating, I'm done. Like Mexicans across the border, I'm coming if you don't want it, I'm creeping around the corner, jumping over hurdles, some. Smoking to pass the time, writing to make it last, first to the finish line, high as a kite when I pass, no one can tell me different, been living on top of the world, looking at you in the distance, living your life in reverse. Everything in due time, do it for me and mine, when you need to eat, come to me, catch a piece. Everything in due time Do it for me and mine When you need to eat Come to me Catch a peace sign I'm probably the best type of dude you never met I don't stutter Get in trouble Double up and stutter steps So direct Speaking up It's up to me to say who next Make it best Speaking of I'll take a check Homie take a rest That is track one From a last Everything in due time Um the thing I love that's, about that track so is, is it really reminds me of this. Uh, it's kind of like this album that I have a great love for, which not a lot of people know, which is one of Macklemore's early albums before he started collaborating with Ryan Lewis, like way back when he was uh, like underground Seattle mm. uh, mm. hip hop vibe. The album's called uh, "The Language of My World," and it's just this very like 
light and bouncy hip hop that feels very like sunny day. Yeah. Not too, not too grungy or hard hitting or pop based. And I listened to the song from Alas for the first time and I was like, Oh, this is giving me like really bright, sunny day, Saturday type vibes. Um, and I just love that. I love that Yo. vibe, man. Yeah. That's so, see, that's so interesting because, cause is that, was that a, is that a sax or a trumpet in the back? You reckon? I don't know. I don't know the, it wouldn't be trumpet. It's no, probably, so it's, it's probably, probably likely sex, to be right? sex. Yeah. Yeah. See, cause you, see you say bright, sunny vibe, whereas I actually pictured myself in like a smoky room, Oh, but I, interesting. but I think, but I think that's just be obviously because of the, the sex kind of vibe that was really, that was really chill. That was, that was, that was really nice. Instrumentation is really interesting and, and hold that thought of the dark smoky room. Cause I, I have something about Ooh. that a little, a little bit later on, okay. but it's interesting. Okay. That okay. But yeah. I think instrumentation <laughs> with, I think with hip hop and rap is so important. I think a lot of the oh, reason yeah. why people don't like hip hop and rap is that they feel it's just noise and then words. And I think mm. some of the best artists in this kind, in these kind of genres are the people that can understand sampling and instrumentation and using yeah. music to fill the background sound and, and, you know, that's where the influences like soul and jazz come in and mm. make it a far more com- complicated sound. Um, moving into something very, very, well, not very, very different, but a very different vibe. Um, the second song is called Consequence, and it is a collaboration between Alas and a bunch of other artists, um, including uh, LVLD Mental, uh, Chubby Chaps, Flacco, and Esmuski. Uh, this one is called Consequence. Um, Alas is is only on it for like one verse and a, a part of the greater track, but it's on it's on his Spotify, and yeah, it's a very very different energy. So we'll go into that and and we'll see what you think. One for the kids with nothing to give and nothing to do. They're coming for you. Not full of sense of feeling regretful. They're in the room. They're setting the mood. Looking out. Ryan's belt gon' lift me about as high as I am. Needing to be to desire to arrive at overnight. Messiah stature with this darker mind. The brightest bastard acting so disruptive. Overly abrasive at your case in point in action. For tradition's sake, I came to break convention, make connections, lace my brain with different flavors, take the kitchen. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, all right, all right, here you go. Wait, 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 babe, hold on, because, because I gotta finish recording. Hold on, hold on. Give me a second. And that was track two with Lass and some other great artists. Consequence, very different, right? Yeah, very different. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is it? What does it bring to you before I influence you by like the the stuff that I, I've got going on in my mind? Um. Oh, yeah. It's, it's see. I mean, oh, so obvious. Uh, uh, weird in the sense of because there was uh, there was I was watching a music video behind this one, right? So there was visuals going on already. But for me, I actually almost pictured myself um, down like a a street. Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone's kind of just rolling together in a street, almost like through a court or something. You know, like basketball court things going on, graffiti everywhere, kind of thing. That was that kind of vibe I was going like real, real downtown downtown yeah. vibe yeah yeah and like you said it's hard because that one has a music video it's it's on youtube you can find it on youtube but but i'm the same for me this song was really visual 
like yeah. quite cinematic and like the the drones in the background and the the syncopated stuff mm, really made mm. me feel movement with it yeah. in a sense yeah. of like yeah. it, felt, it feels almost quite like halloweenish and almost yeah, yeah almost yeah, yeah, in yeah. in like a I don't know, like there's a there's a darkness to it and a sense of drive and a sense of like mm. risk and I, I think just the energy is very different and that's you know part of you know when we try and pick these songs we try and pick ones that show off different talents and versions of an artist so you can kind of get a sense of their range and like if you compare that to everything in due time which is very much like a, a sit back whether it's in a bright room or a, a smoky or room a smoky room yeah. it is very much a sort of a still with yourself taking some time like mm. in, introverted type thing whereas that consequence is so so big and bold and, and in your face um but let's take it into song number three yo which is another another solo from alas this one is called uh we come from and yeah we'll just we'll see how it compares to to the other two so again this is our music shout out for the week alas and this is his third and final track we come from from we show love ain't no fight when the peso come where we come from we so numb work all night so the peso come where we come from ain't no fight when the peso come where we come from work all night so the peso come got a little bread now i feel a little bad everybody sat back home they gas not my fault but it's on my back had less stress when i had no cash can't go wrong fam hold on i'ma get that make that list so long i'ma take my funds hand out some cause we show love when the peso come bro did time big bro did time both in sight when the peso right on my payback grind cause they took no shit i'ma make with mine i'ma take my time who's in who's in go spend we can make Make that back, that back. Who said gotta break my back? I'm chill, I'ma sit right here. You say you run, where the fuck you at? You say where you the run. fuck you at? You say you, you say run, you run. Run. run, you at? You say you, you run, you run, you at? You say you run. That was our third track from Alas. We come from, and I've held on to it because I didn't want to jump the gun. But for me, that whole smoky room, like scene yeah. setting. I mean, there yeah. is some similar instrumentation in terms of the choice mm. of lyrics. Mm. When I listen to that song, I think low ceilings. I think cocktail bar, like speakeasy. Yo, I yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And I think for me, like that's such a... If music can put me in a place where I'm, where I'm not when I'm listening to it and make me feel an environment and an atmosphere that doesn't feel... Which takes me out of the place that I'm listening to the songs... Mm. then for me it's it's successful regardless of what genre it is if it can take me take me somewhere else and i think that's that's part of what i really love about less music is it's not all all one note there's clear variations in like the tone and the vibe and and what he's going for with you know whether he's working solo or with with other artists and yeah i just i find it on the whole very very chill i like that vibe i mean like i said he's mm. he's west coast uh palo alto is sort of in between san francisco and and san jose and obviously his background in ucla being los angeles there's sort of a west coast feel to it um but yeah i, I love what he's doing man i mean aside from the fact of the story and and deciding to to sort of push aside all the the law stuff and, and 
that kind of shall we say like traditional background the fact that he's really in this year embraced going after the music shooting their own music videos um there's a couple of other music videos on on youtube that is that is shot with people really taking the plunge as as an artist i mean first and foremost i really really respect that uh, yeah. but also for me as someone who loves who loves hip-hop it's just got a tone and a vibe that that really really tickles me in a certain way it does something <laughs> for me yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, I, t- I totally hear you. That that's a, a and that I think that's just it. I think you know, especially in twenty twenty, for artists deciding to be like, no, this is the year where I'm really going to just like use my time, mm. you know, to to do something like that. And especially with you know, like with us making a decision to do a podcast, it's really accessible for us to be able to do it. And especially with music and recording and things like that. I mean. Uh, to to do it uh, to do it in 2020 i think is hard but also really rewarding as well um so i mean yeah i'm all for it that that was really that was really cool i mean just to quickly make a quick comparison you know like obviously with band of crooks who we shouted out last time you know that really hip-hop rap but as you were saying before interesting what how what you put behind it to really change that vibe because they're very you know rocky and you know there's a there's a lot more going on behind it and it's amazing what alas has done here with you know that the simple instrumentation with the with the sax and 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 like you said those drones those drones mm. in, in there were re- really nice sound um and it's amazing how you can almost have you know the same sense of genre um but it'd be a completely different feel and create a completely different mood mm-hmm. um and that's the thing i love about music man that's the thing about about music it is that everyone really has their own fresh take on it and yeah like you said if it can transport you then you're doing something right you, you know if, if it's if it's sounding like everyone else you know the top charts things like i mean don't get me wrong i like my pop like i do uh, it's my guilty little pleasure but if you can create music doesn't sound like everything else then you're, you're bloody winning you know you're bloody winning for sure for sure um yeah i should say you can you can find a less on on Spotify and Apple, um, his Instagram is alas is thinking, uh, alas I S T H I N K I N G. If you want to follow him there, a lot of content in terms of like release of music video and, and stuff. Um, obviously with, with music predominantly, it's the platforms where you can listen to the songs, but you know, I think the hard thing about Spotify and other platforms as well is that you don't, you know, you don't get anything else other than that. So mm. I really like following artists, um, whether they be musicians or otherwise on Instagram as well, because I can see their creative process and like visuals and stuff behind it. I mean, yeah. hey, look, we're an oral listening first network <laughs> and we're big on Instagram. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks for letting me shout out less. Uh, go listen to his stuff. If, if that's the thing that tickles your fancy, if it's not for you, that's cool. The next one that we will do will most likely be in a different, different genre. So maybe that will be more to your vibe, but, but yeah, that probably brings us to the end of our beautiful big 18th episode uh that Ooh. has been this thing man absolutely words have got me monday morning has 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 done me dirty but but thanks for this <laughs> week man thank you for letting me rattle on about about a little short film and 
And maybe if we put our heads together, we can remember what the hell we were doing in 2013 for our birthdays. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, thank you, man. No, honestly, I'm, I'm, I love hearing people's process and, and things that they've gone through. So the fact that you just so happened to have one in this past week and, and you could share that with us and everyone else listening around the world and here, obviously, at home in New Zealand. Um, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you so much for doing that, bro. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you as always to everyone that's listening, whether you be international or right back home here in beautiful New Zealand. Thank you so much for continuing to follow us. We've got some exciting stuff coming up in the next few weeks, which we hope we'll be able to share. But until then, keep listening and we'll see you next time. Peace.